I love, I love how she's like closing the door, but she turns around and then he slips in as she's on the phone with him. And she goes back and sets the alarm and like, oh, you're effed in yeah. D right there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, What's her D? Don't, what what don't, is her D? Don't, don't question it. Don't question it. <laughs> I finally watched. I finally watched. I finally watched. I finally watched. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched Scream 2. And today we have two very special guests. We have Dino and Ginny Favara with us. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey. So they are very special guests for specifically this movie because we have now a tradition that every October we get together and watch a Scream movie. And because this is our second year doing this we are only on screen two but that's okay (laughs) that's okay the tradition is going strong it's going strong exactly exactly and uh yeah now Ginny doesn't have a podcast but dino has a podcast called hot takes oh yeah Uh, that's right and I'm, I'm sure it's filled with a bunch of hot takes. Can you give us examples of some of your hot takes on your podcast, Dino? Oh, of course. You know, I'm, I'm always full of those hot takes, Alon. Um, one of my favorites, I think, is that High School Musical 2 is by far the best high school musical out of the three. Um, you know, maybe if we were blessed with a fourth, we'd be having a different conversation, but... One can only dream. Yeah. yeah, that is true. We can only dream of a, of a number four coming out. Oh, Maybe no. then like post life. I don't know. But stuff like High School Musical 2 is the best. Pineapple belongs on pizza. Super Smash Bros, you know, is probably going to die eventually. And that especially Google Maps is the superior apps, uh, superior app for navigation. And if you use Waze or Apple Maps, you're just a, a dingus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to have to stop you there. Um, <laughs> those those are hot takes. Um, where oh, yeah. can people listen to your podcast? Yeah, they can go. Uh, an easy way is they you can just go bio.link slash Dino, D-I-N-O, like dinosaur. Um, it has all the links you need. But if you can also look it up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those things. Hot takes with Dino Favara. Now you'll You'll have to scroll down maybe a few minutes. That's why you got to do with Dino Favara. That's why it shows up. <laughs> ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yes, Dino Alon. It's not. It's not the uh, you know such common names as right. like Jennifer and David. So <laughs> wow, we're the lame shade. Ones. Yeah, yeah, shade. I don't. I don't know what it's like to be a normie, but I'm sure <laughs> it's a great experience. When I go I'm to a sure. theme park, I can find my name on a keychain. So, Ooh, <laughs> burn. Burn. Well, we're that. really glad uh, to have you guys on with us. I, I think uh, our Scream experience, um, and you know, we, we do have a past episode of Scream that we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so another tradition is every time we do watch a scream, it's going to end up on, uh, as one of our episodes too. So that's, uh, 
that's a mm. commitment I just made. Um, <laughs> turning your life into content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> join, join them, join the masses, I guess. That's right. Um, well, anyway, so I, I think this year when we got together, and I, now when I say we, I, I'm excluding David from this. It's mostly me, my <laughs> wife, Taylor, and you two. Um, David lives too far away to do this. But um, I think you guys, I, I think we gave you an interesting experience this year. Would you care to share with everyone what happened this year? Oh, well, no. I mean... We're, yeah, please explain. We're big fans of the, you know, the show, you know. The show. And, um, well, we we went over, Jenny and I went over to Alana and Taylor's house, and we were very excited for dinner and to watch Scream 2 and to be scared. Um, truly scared. Truly scared. And as we were kind of walking around, they were giving us a little bit of a tour. I started poking my head around the back porch in a way. I kind of looked out the window, and, ooh, huh. To my surprise, I saw a statue. Like it was like a skull. It was like a stand-up statue of of Scream. Of Scream. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's that was a nice jump scare." He was like, "Jimmy, look at this statue." Yeah, <laughs> they put it here for us. And I thought it was so funny and so clever, and I got scared. And then I turned back around and I see a hand start to raise with a knife in their hand, and I go, "Oh my god!" Oh. <laughs> I was like, it's not a Jenny, get back! <laughs> um, so and, so yeah. that was my sister-in-law that we did not tell you was over. No, uh, no. I had no idea. Yes. I love that you were like, well, we forgot to tell Dino and Jenny that my our sister-in-law is here, so mm-hmm. let's keep it a secret and actually do something with this. <laughs> it was awesome. Good, so yes, we good. were very scared and, yeah. before the movie even began. I could mm-hmm. see Jordan just like taking the role a little too seriously and just like, you know what, let's start <laughs> killing people. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad she didn't. What's wrong that? with a couple stabbings, you know? Yeah. Um, which would she would she be more of a Billy uh uh ooh. Um, <laughs> um Matthew Lillard. Matthew Mickey? Lillard? <laughs> Mickey yeah. or yeah, yeah. Mm. Who knows? I hope not, honestly. Definitely definitely <laughs> not, not miss any of them. Definitely oh, not yeah. Mrs. Voorhees. I mean, Loomis. Their last name is a tribute to the Halloween movies because Dr. Loomis oh. is Michael Myers' psychiatrist. Oh, oh my so, so, yeah, I mean, now we now we have like four killers uh, within the two uh, two yeah. screams we've we've watched. So that's but, right. You always have a partner. Speaking of that, Jenny, that you you would be the partner that I would want if I was in one of these movies because I feel like you called it out as soon as you uh, nice. saw them. Well, okay. So to be fair, I only called out one. I did not expect Mickey. Was it Mickey? The right. same? Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't expect Mickey. Sorry, I'm bad with names, but I did not really expect Mickey at all because... I I thought it was going to be more of a challenge to guess who it was, and I didn't think it would be a friend again mm. because that was in the first movie. So I kept that in mind, um, and then he was kind of off the radar for a little bit, so it, he was out of mind. And, and I think that's what the director wants you to do is mm. to forget about this person so that 
it's a surprise. But I I could see um the reporter right away because she was um she was new, so that's always a key. If there's a new character <laughs> that has more than a few lines. <laughs> and yep. two, um she just seemed really weird and so you were like captivated by her interrupting um the reporter Courtney Cox. Um so Courtney Cox's character, like she kept following her around. And so I was like, okay, she's being more than just a background. So she's like actually coming into the picture. And because she seemed weird, I don't know why I thought, okay, they're going to make an outcast someone who's actually um, bigger than what she's portrayed to be. Hmm. So she has like a lot more. Um, she has a lot of motive inside of her, but they try, they're trying to make her look weak from the very beginning. So I was like struck by that. And so I kept it to myself. I'm like, okay, she's totally one of the killers and they want to make it different than just like a, a, a college kid this time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if anyone else thought like me, but I just knew it had to be a little different than the movie before. So totally. Did you think that way? Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought she looked suspicious, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, I wasn't ready to put my name to a, a claim quite yet. Did you Did you think about her at all, Alon? Uh, no. I, <laughs> I I I did think it was weird that they're giving all this like screen time to this uh this like side character, um, and. But I really like the way you you said it was her because Courtney Cox walks out and obviously like with the look of she has someone behind her with a gun to her back. Mm-hmm. And before mm-hmm. before Mrs. Loomis even comes out, Jenny goes, yeah, it's the reporter. <laughs> so epic. <laughs> yeah. And on- honestly, I also thought it could have been the... The film guy, the guy that was filming for Courtney, the Mm. reporter, because he was so scared and was like, we got to bounce. There's a killer. Like, are you crazy? And for me, I thought, okay, they're trying to make him look innocent. And so I think he might actually be. So I I got him wrong. I thought he and the mom, the the other reporter, were Mm -hmm. in on it. Hmm. So I like... When you get to that scene where they have all these new people in the film class, you have Sarah Michelle Gellar, Joshua Jackson, and Timothy Oliphant. I was like, okay, you're introducing all these people. and But I was going through like, so I thought it was going to be Dewey. And then I thought it might be Jerry O'Connell. And then I was like 40 minutes into it. And Alan is talking to me. He's like, yeah, so the thing with the the blue pattern shirts, I was like, wait, what the hell? What do you mean? He's like, oh. <laughs> and so and so then uh, when you go through it, uh, Randy and Jerry O'Connell, who's the boyfriend, Randy's the best friend, and then um, Dewey are all wearing that shirt at one point. I was like, I, I, maybe these are supposed to be the suspects. So that threw me off throughout. Yeah, and, me yeah. too. And then, Same. and then when the first one dies, you're like, oh, okay. Well, thanks a lot. You ruined this for me. Um, but I was also wondering because this came out in 97 and the two people who end up being the killers are Mickey played by Timothy Oliphant. And then, um, 
Lori Metcalf plays the rec- the reporter. And so Lori Metcalf was a pretty big star at that point. She was on the show Roseanne, but Timothy Oliphant was like, hadn't done much before that. So it was interesting to have like, I think it, it makes it obvious in retrospect when you have this huge actress who takes on what seems like a nothing role, a small role. Yeah. But then, but then at the same time you have Joshua Jackson, who I think is like on Dawson's Creek at the time you have Sarah Michelle Geller, who's on Buffy. You know what I mean? You have mm-hmm. these other big people that have come in here. So that's why, like where I was thinking. And then I was going to leave this till the end, but I want to say it before Jenny leaves. So the script in this movie got leaked. Oh, what? And, really? Yeah. And so they rewrote the ending completely. <gasps> so the original no. killers in this movie were Jerry O'Connell, the boyfriend, <gasps> and, and Hallie, her best friend. I oh, my God. Oh, my God. We suspected God. the best friend from, like, yes. the beginning. I was like, it's got to be... It's got to be that girl. They're going to switch it up and make it a girl this time. And, mm. and a- apparently, like, because because of the leak in the beginning, they, like, when they rewrote it, they wouldn't give anyone the ending until the end. So I don't even know if I couldn't figure this part out if Timothy Oliphant even knew he was the killer until the end, which really wow. changes, like, the way you view it. Because yeah. I was I, I watched it a second time to see, and I was, like, looking for clues. And I was like, oh, I think I think he's acting suspicious here and there, but... You know, if he didn't know, then obviously. And they even filmed Jerry O'Connell and um, Hallie killing Timothy Oliphant at one point, just to keep like, because they were so worried about. And I'll talk more about later, but like this was even supposed to like the way it ended was even going to kill Nev Campbell. Like all of this was going to be completely different. I think it. Well, first of all, it made the studio so much more money that they didn't kill off this franchise in the second movie because they made four more. That yeah, have done right. well, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, it's just crazy, like how different that, this could have been. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. That kind of, in a way, that makes me think about another movie uh, about American Psycho, the scene with um, Willem Dafoe and Christian Bale, where you know they're having that conversation. And I heard like a story. I don't, you know, I don't even know if it's true, but it, it seems like it. But they had Willem Dafoe. And Christian Bale do that scene like three times, but they had him film in different ways. They had one where Willem Dafoe yes, played yes. the scene knowing he's the killer. There is a scene where he, there, he played it thinking he's the killer and like a scene where he like was completely oblivious and they just like spliced all three together and it made the scene so conflicting because you're like, you can't figure out if this guy knows because this guy mm-hmm. also doesn't It like made it super interesting. So that when you say that, David, that's what it makes me think of is like it's almost kind of genius that they had it slip almost. Well, I'm glad that they didn't have the boyfriend be the killer because yeah, so I think that would have just been too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, boyfriend back to back. She's never going to trust again. Yeah, literally. Yeah, but you would never <laughs> expect it, right? If yeah. it was the True. boyfriend back to back, and then the third movie comes around, and then they switch it up on you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. What no, if they just kept the it the one. boyfriend all five times, and then they just keep making you think that it's surely not. not this time. <laughs> surely not every time. Every time. <laughs> real, yeah. real quick. A lesbian. 
<laughs> she becomes a lesbian. <laughs> just to avoid in the fifth movie. <laughs> just to avoid having to deal with this anymore. Dude, I I just just become a celibate at that point. Like just write <laughs> off all other human contact. At that um, point you have to. <laughs> one thing that, no that was interesting to me in the movie is when Dewey told her and he was like these people get off on already being someone in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably already someone that you know. And she's like, yeah, I'm prepared for it. I wonder if mentally she's just like, if it's my boyfriend, if it's if it's my best friend, like I'm just, I'm ready just to kill him. Like if, if yeah. it needs, if it needs be, right? Like you have to have that mm. mentality at wow. some point. Um I'm I'm interested actually in in to think that why David thought it was Dewey at all. Yeah, oh, I was I was just going off the I was like they're gonna try and trick us. And if you think about it too, I mean, when you watch these movies, you're basically trying to be a detective, right? You're trying to figure it out. Um, and I was just like, I was also like, they're once again, I they made it fairly obvious that they wanted you to think it was Jerry O'Connell, um, the boyfriend. When it and I was like, you know, they have these pan in shots where they show his face. So I was really just like, I, one, I thought I had remembered Dewey having some kind of weird part in this, but it, it honestly, his loyalty to Sydney it just doesn't make sense. Like, it, if they ever yeah. do in three, four, five, or six make him uh, the killer, it, it's just kind of illogical. It, like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And the same with Randy, right? Like, you could see Randy have have snapped. Because he's in love with her, and I think they wanted you to think that a little bit. Um, mm. Although they didn't play that as, up as much, but I was really just trying to think outside the box. And, and and this is like a little bit of getting into it, but so the first movie takes place in California, and this next movie takes place in Ohio, and somehow the day after these murders at this Ohio college. Mm. Gail shows up and Dewey shows up. They got like direct flights to this like small city in Ohio <laughs> from California. Yeah, that's an I was interesting like, this point. Make any I didn't sense. think about that. Yeah, don't well, don't think about it too much. Yeah. Well, I thought they suspected. Um, yeah, didn't they suspect things? Like, wasn't um, something going on at that point? Like, there wasn't there a murder at that point, and they came to protect Sydney. They came after the murder of the two, the of Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps in the movie theater. But mm-hmm. it was the oh, yeah, next yeah. day. Like, how did they get yeah. there so quickly? <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> and that's that's one thing I want to kind of talk about systematically towards the end of this episode is who do we all think was who in each murder through the movie? Was it? Uh, Loomis or was it Mickey? And and I don't want to I don't want to go too much into it now, but I, that's definitely mm. something I want y'all to think about when uh, mm. when we talk about uh, the plot. Um. So so yeah, I mean, Jenny, I know you have to go, but you're more than welcome to stay. Um, but I think we should uh, get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, you want to stay, Jenny? Um. I will have to go, but I think Dino has really good thoughts, and I really am so appreciative of you having me on. Okay, bye, Jenny. Bye, bye Jen. So I think it's pretty funny 
the way this is started because I think like a one thing you could say about the first one is it's like it's a obviously like a fairly white cast. So starting with Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett Smith, I think is really funny, especially with all the jokes about like, I want to go see, why are we going to see all these white people? Let's go see the Sandra Bullock movie. And he's like, oh yeah, Miss Ethnicity right there. Like all that stuff is so funny to me in the beginning. Um, Honestly, I did not recognize Jada Pinkett Smith. Me neither, dude. I didn't either. I, I knew like, some, Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was familiar, but I couldn't I right. couldn't put a name to the face. Yeah, whenever her name came on at the end, I was like, that is it. That's who I, I was like, oh my gosh, she looks so familiar. But I couldn't yeah. figure it out. Um, and then of course I know Omar Epps from House, the show House. Uh that's, where, mm-hmm. and that's not, what Omar Epps wants to be known for is House. I don't know him from anything else besides House and this. Yeah, I know him from House too. He's been in oh, okay. <laughs> but House is what I've seen him most in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, what a good show house is. Let's just talk about house for a second. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So we start off on, on basically Courtney Cox made a book about the happenings um, of the first movie. It got turned into a movie called stab. Very original. I, mm. I would have loved the, the uh, title for it to become scary movie. Like, like the original was intended to be called. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's stab, and then we have a perfect like shot for shot remake of the first scene with Drew Barrymore in the first movie. Uh, and I thought I was like, more of this, please. Like, I want to see a whole remake of what the movie thinks happened in the in the actual happenings. You know, you just want to see Heather Graham naked. Is what you want to see? <laughs> That's what you wanted. You know what? I would say unnecessary shadow uh, shower shot, but not unnecessary shower shot. <laughs> I, I um so the I liked the device of handing out the masks in the beginning is obviously like a really smart idea to set this up. Um, apparently, the woman who hands out the masks is just like a contest winner for MTV. They ran a contest, <laughs> and so she got to act in this movie. It's just like shit that doesn't happen anymore. Um, that's but awesome. I think what I love about the stab part of this is like it's a perfect fake movie like it's great but also crappy enough like it's yeah. just it feels like it's gonna border on like a scary movie like spoof but it doesn't which is similar to the way I felt about Scream and Scream 2 so I think yeah. it's like it was just done really well yeah it was very on the nose like it felt like it was almost making fun of itself in a way. I thought that was very clever. Very well I, done. I appreciate when a movie can make fun of itself, but like in a good way, right? Like right. it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel like, Oh, so if the movie, if the movie is saying the first one is dumb, then I guess the first one is dumb because it doesn't do it that much, but it, it, it still like drives the point home. The thing that I want to know is how did they know that drew Barrymore's character made popcorn in the exact same manner <laughs> huh? How do they know that? Well, the house almost burned mm. down. I guess. I guess. That is true. There's probably some sort of police investigation after she was nah. brutally murdered. Nah. nah. If nah. you think if you think too much about it, it totally makes sense. So let's not do that. Uh <laughs> you know what's not ever explained in this movie? So you have like the one chalkboard moment where they point out like the names match to names from the Woodsboro murders. But it's mm-hmm. never explained, like, 
how Mickey knows these people, how like who killed which one of them, which I know you wanted to talk about later. Um, but it's like, how how did he know that Omar Epps was going to come to the bathroom stall? Was yeah. that just like fortuitous? Yeah. Or was he just eventually just going to go kill him in the seat? And But he shows up in the stall, but like he's just waiting there. So that right. like, kill like from the start. I mean, who gives a crap? Like if this is a this is a slasher. Mm-hmm. Like who cares? We do. But we give a crap. I think but it was because but on, yeah. But on I my second watch, they... I cared. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because they wrote it in the script. I think that was probably why. <laughs> well, yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> sound sound logic there, bulletproof. Uh, yeah. Case. You you know what's interesting too is like, obviously in the bathroom stall was mickey right it had to be but mm-hmm. yeah what 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 was he saying that made omar epps like put his ear to the stall something about mothers or something it's like yeah sorry mommy or something like that um because he could have been on like a fake phone with his with mrs loomis at the time you know they could have been working together i mean he calls her mommy dude he's he's messed up in the head he's, got some... he's a serial killer so <laughs> yeah i wonder who's actually under that mask it it's killing in that scene though you know because we know that they don't know who did it towards the end but like it could have been mm. jerry o'connell doing it it could have been anyone you know they could have just been like we don't who wants to do this kill <laughs> it could it could even be another mtv winner hmm? that's true that's true true um yeah i don't besides it just being kind of like you know, weird, but they, I guess they also must have stalked these two, right? Because to know exactly who, I, I wish there had been some explanation of how Mickey knew these two, or if he did, or how they were. You know, in '97, it's a lot harder to stalk people. You don't have like Facebook they went to the, same, the internet. They went to the same college. Yeah, but him. there's no explanation of how he knows them. Besides, I went to college with a lot of people I don't know. Yeah, but another thing that you think about is he could have been in the line behind them. I mean, everyone was wearing a mask, right? So he could have been anyone. He could have been sitting right next to them the whole time. That's he how he, chose, he got up to go to the bathroom. But he chose them for their names, right? So he like he has to be stalking them somehow. There's just there had to have been a lot of planning in this for then to like you know the the stall scene. I will say right after that the fake out where Jada Pinkett or before that Jada Pinkett Smith like walks into the theater and you see a side door, you're like, oh dude, he's gonna come out the side door and it's Omar Epps. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a weird moment. I know I know I'm I think I'm gonna have this every single time I watch a movie earlier than 2007. But it was just so strange seeing college students without iPhones. I don't know. Or really even like the fact that a cell phone was so rare that you know what I mean? It was just a very strange yeah, yeah very first one especially. One yeah. of one of my favorite lines from the first one is when Billy Loomis gets uh arrested and he's in the police station and the cop is like, What are you doing with a cellular phone, son? <laughs> and he was like, like, everyone has them. Yeah. <laughs> um, All the cool kids have them. I, I I also think one thing that I thought was cool is as as Jada Pinkett's getting stabbed, right? And uh, apparently she just wanted to make it as like violent and gratuitous as possible. I was like, it, the way this theater is set up and how like rowdy the crowd is, it's like no one's ever going to notice. And the only way they noticed is she like went up in front of the screen and was like, this is my moment. Hmm. 
Yeah, I did think that was like really well done because it like I truly usually I feel like in movies like this, I'd be like, what? how did someone not see that? You know what I mean? I think like, oh, my right. gosh, bro, it's so obvious. Like I would see someone doing that. But the way they had uh, set the stage for that with having everyone kind of with those fake knives and like fake stabbing each other. Uh, it, when it became the moment where she's getting brutally murdered, like I 100% believe that that would happen and no one would, no one could tell. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I, I think now you can't even get a theater that rowdy anymore. <laughs> um, unless you're going to see like Rocky horror picture show because they'd have security in there so fast. Right. Um, but it was the nineties. You could get away with anything. You could get away with murder in a movie theater in the nineties. <laughs> Literally. Well, do you remember when, uh, I know this is kind of a little bit off topic, but you remember like a few months ago when the Minions movie came out and oh, everyone, everyone wore suits. Wearing yeah. suits and they were like kicking people out for wearing suits. Yeah. Like, not doing, yeah. Not doing anything, just wearing suits. And they're like, get out of here. <laughs> just so. the, uh, the fear of somebody doing something. Um, yeah. I love the net and this is like, one of my favorite scenes is the next scene in the classroom, just them talking about movies. And I know because Alana and I love movies, but just talking about sequels. And it was funny because watching it the second time, um, Randy has this line where he's like, we know the sequel is never as good as the original. And Mickey gets super defensive. And I was like, oh, is he getting defensive because he's the sequel? Mm. But if he didn't know, if Timothy Oliphant doesn't know at that point, then he doesn't know why he's getting defensive. Like all of that is mm. like in my head now of like, what do these actors know? But the thing I really want to talk about is Terminator two is clearly better than Terminator. Hmm. Um, I agree. I just actually watched Terminator two tonight. And then last night I watched Terminator and it is like the budget's bigger. The acting is better. The CGI is better. It's like all around a better film. But you need well, you need the story of Terminator to understand T two. You know, it's almost like Terminator was just the prequel <laughs> to Terminator two because Terminator two is when Arnold like his character like that he's the good guy. He's the good guy now, so it, may, it would make sense. I feel like that Terminator two would be better. I mean, that's where you get hasta la vista, baby, and mm-hmm. you know so. And like, so for the other ones, like Alien versus Aliens, I'm kind of okay with whatever someone's pick is. And then like, I actually, I was waiting for the Godfather one. I was like, I know this is going to be the one. And the fact that they all agreed to it, I thought was funny, even though I like Godfather better than two. Um, I like Godfather too. You like the second one? No, I mean the first, like, I think they're, I think they're equal. Like Godfather, Godfather two. I think they're both great films. Well, yeah, obviously. It's like it's like Jordan Lebron. I mean, you know, what I mean, they're both good. <laughs> I don't understand. I, I I know understand sports references. I know. So, so <laughs> I I sorry. Yeah. Something about rings. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, and then when Jerry O'Connell comes in, I was like, this the casting in this is so crazy. First of all, you have Joshua Jackson, Pacey from Dawson's Creek, in like a nothing role. Yeah, for two seconds is so funny to me. Like why he would why he would be in it. I thought the same for Sarah Michelle Geller too, until she gets killed. And I was like, all right, that is like, people are just lining up to get killed in a scream movie. Like that's mm. kind of how big these are now. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I think because like it's Wes Craven, right. And 
since he did the Friday, um, not the Friday, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and you know those aren't really made by him. They were like, oh, I need to jump on on whatever. Like those are a big hit. I need to jump on on whatever Wes is doing now. Um, and in the nineties, it was Scream. Hmm. I remember just being. I think I was in ninety nine. I was in kindergarten, so I remember like kids around my neighborhood running around during Halloween with scream costumes. And I just thought, I just thought the costumes were so scary. So I was like, I am not watching this movie <laughs> as, so, as a six year old. <laughs> so me dressing up my sister-in-law as Ghostface and scaring <laughs> the bejesus out of you probably right. didn't help you with your trauma as a child. Oh, not I at gotcha. all. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fine for sure. So <laughs> when the first, when the first scream came out, I was nine. And then this one, I was 10 because they came out so quickly. Um, and so I was obviously too young to see them. What was funny is I was talking with Garrett uh, earlier because we do that framed every day. And the mm-hmm. other day it was Amistad. And I was like, yeah, I saw that when it came out. He's like, you saw that when you were 10? I was like, well, 11. It was on DVD. But yeah, he's like, that's way too early to see Amistad because there's like <laughs> a really de- like horrible, depressing scene in the beginning. It's like it deals with slavery. I was like, yeah, that is oh, yeah. way too early for me to have watched that movie. <laughs> But like, I, uh, yeah, I had the same conversation with with Taylor um, because I was explaining to her that I saw Terminator when I was 10 and there's like a whole sex scene in that. And they're like, you watched this when you were 10? And I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I was trying to think I don't I'm not going to be able to remember what my first rated R movie was, but I think it was Commando. And it was probably really young, like really, mm-hmm. really way too young to see Commando. My first rated R movie, and I know we went through this on the podcast, was There's Something About Mary when I was six years old. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Six? Yeah. I was afraid of zippers. I I, I thought I could zip up my ding-a-ling so fast and so easily. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't remember my first rated R movie, but I remember my first PG-13 movie was (laughs) Spider-Man. That was my first one. Um, how, how old were you? How old were you? Whenever that came out, was that like 2002? So I was probably, that was second grade for me. So maybe like nine, eight. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been earlier because I think like 03, 04 was Spider Man 3, maybe. I can't remember now. They came out pretty yeah. quickly. Right. Um, getting back to it because mm-hmm. we're like five minutes into the movie. But I do love the <laughs> crank call too at the beginning because you. Like you get the whole ghost face voice and then it's just like there's so many crazy good fake outs in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was like one of my favorite parts. Of this. One thing I wanted to bring up when we did the sequel talk, and this is kind of, I guess, a more global thing. Maybe we can talk about at the end. Which of these do you prefer? One or two? One or two. Mm. I personally... Having watched Scream 1, I guess I'm trying to think. I think I still enjoyed Scream 1 better. Um, because for me, it was just such a wild ride from start to finish. Like, I had no idea. But yeah. I did enjoy this one because I could feel the the mind games of the the movie was playing with me. Like, I could tell that it was a battle to try and keep it a surprise um and i felt like it did a really good job of keeping it a surprise you know what i mean i 
I agree. And I, I, I love one just because it's so like, it's I, when you first iconic. watch it, it's so new and iconic. Um, and it does new stuff in like the horror genre, but I like two a lot because it, it's so meta and it, yes. like, it knows what it is and it exposes itself and in like such a meta way, like the, like the scene we're talking about where they're having that film conversation in the classroom. Uh, so I, I enjoy, I enjoy that aspect of it um, more than the thrills of the first. Mm. Yeah. I, I, there are parts of like, so there, are, I mean, the Drew Barrymore beginning of the first one's iconic, the ending with, uh, Ed Ulrich and, um, Fuck, I just said his name earlier. Matthew Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Yeah, like those parts are iconic. There are parts of this movie that I really liked, but then there are parts that annoy me, and specifically the sorority girls, who I also at one point was like, maybe it's them? Yeah. I, I, I thought two things. I thought either we were going to get a whole sorority house killed in this film, or they are all part of it. I actually thought it was like a large group of people, like a large group of people who were the scream, uh, the ghost face killers. Yeah, maybe um, it's like the whole sorority. I yeah. So in, in this area where you meet the sorority girls, Dewey shows up, Randy shows up, Jerry O'Connell shows up, Gail. Show, it's like all these people at one point. And it's like, all right, pick your killer. Like everyone here, everyone's here. One of them has to be the killer. And in fact, it was two of them and they were there. It's just like not the ones you're really expecting because we had met Mickey just a little bit earlier. And then the reporter is just kind of this like know nothing character. Um, and so only one of us was able to pick that out. I um, mm. This is also one of the reasons I suspected Dewey is because of his messed up arm. And his like excuse later on was like, oh, nerve damage. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And so it just was this like, affectation that he had that was threw me off he got stabbed in the spine in the first movie david (laughs) are you a doctor (laughs) are you is wes craven a doctor is he (laughs) how do they know yeah i i enjoyed that too i because i personally one thing i thought was really interesting was like in the i think they're in the library or in the lunchroom where they were where Dewey and Randy were talking again about like sequels. And then yeah. he was like going over the rules. Like, well, this is what makes a better sequel. It's gotta be way more, like it's gotta be way more deaths. Um, you know, it's gotta be all these other rules. And then they like followed those rules. I thought was pretty clever, but it did make me wonder if it was Randy or if it was Dewey. Cause you're starting to think like, well, maybe Randy might have a desire to make us a, a good sequel. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, I definitely think Randy is definitely someone you could have. It's not someone I considered, but I was like, it could be. I was, I was very much like, it could be anybody. Which the way they wrote this thing, I guess it could have been anybody. That's like the <laughs> way they played it. Is they could have at the end put in anyone, and it would have made sense that's that's true and i mean if you want to get you know what's funny about the first one is when uh skeet ulrich and uh matthew lillard were like oh we don't need a motive we're just crazy psycho killers the best killers are are killers with no motives just so billy could give a very long explanation about his motive right (laughs) exactly um and then 
same thing with with Mickey uh, is like his motives seem really dumb to me. And it seemed dumb to Loomis, too, because she was like, I'm not doing I'm not doing it because of that. I have, you know, I'm doing it for good old fashioned revenge, which I think revenge is a great motivator. You know, it is for but sure. she's also stupid. Her revenge is stupid and she's stupid. Oh. She's like trailer <laughs> trash. I also love ghosts. I also love Ghostface, um, like no matter who it is, because it's always a no, like it's always an in, anybody could be behind that. So it's not like a Michael Myers who's so um, direct and and focused and strong and and like almost to a military capacity, right? And so when Ghostface is is chasing Sarah Michelle Gellar all around the sorority mansion, they're tripping over. V- desks they're getting hit by doors they're getting thrown vases at and they're and they're like succumbing to all these all these obstacles but they still get their kill in the end and i think that that kind of makes it great you know Mm. yeah it definitely adds like the the rawness to where it's like i feel like anyone anyone could trip over a a chair like i probably would do that if i was trying to murder somebody (laughs) So I think I think personally, like kind of getting back to your question too, Alon, of like who killed who, I feel like Mickey was probably in the sorority house because he had to throw her off the building. Like I'm not sure if the mom could have done that. But then I think she the mom in the end even says like she's the one who grabbed Randy for the kill because he was kind of like ranting about how Billy was an idiot. You know, I think she's probably the only kill. It was is Randy for her. Um, I, uh, and, uh, I, I agree a little bit along with what you're saying, but I, what I noticed in this movie that I think is really well done is Ghostface isn't portrayed as Michael Myers. He's not portrayed right. as this face behind him. Like, you don't know who he is. He almost doesn't seem human. When Ghostface is killing someone, he's falling all over himself. He's, they're actually like, I rewatched Scream One, but like I watched Scream Two, then rewatched Scream One, and then rewatched Scream Two again. They're really bad at killing. They're like kind of buffoonish when they're doing it. Yeah, and like there's also this. I I really like they did this in Scream One in the Drew Barrymore killing where they show from her POV, and then when Courtney Cox is like hiding from Ghostface in this one, they do this really cool thing where she is hiding. She keeps moving deeper and deeper and she sees him and you can see like him looking and he can't find her. Like, it's really cool to see like, Oh, this is, it's just a dude behind the mask. And like, so this, you know, you can beat this person. Like they're not omnipotent. They're not omniscient. You know, they're like, Mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not an actual ghost. It's just a person. Right. No, I think. And then, and then when they do at the end, it's a much more satisfying ending um, until the next one, right? Because these are never going to end. They make too much money off of it. Mm-hmm. So let's get to Sarah Michelle Gellar's killing. I think it's really well done. There's a bunch of fake jumps, which I think are cool. But, you know, she does the classic mistake of running upstairs, which they all do, even though they say <sighs> they're not supposed to. Like, uh, Sydney in the first one is like, yeah, it's just they're all dumb. They run upstairs when they shouldn't. And even Sydney runs upstairs. Like, obviously, yes. sometimes she has to. But, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar immediately upstairs. 
just immediately. Now her her character name is Cece, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to trying to keep track of everyone. Yeah, and I you know she runs upstairs. It, it's kind of smart with what they did about like the jump scare with the other sorority sister that was already in the house. Um, and then as she's like, I love, I love how she's like closing the door, but she turns around and then he slips in as she's on the phone with him. Then she goes back and sets the alarm and like, oh, you're effed in yeah. D right there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, what's her D? Don't, what what don't, is her D? Don't don't question it. Don't question. <laughs> it. Well, and that's once again kind of showing this is like a practical thing instead of like a this guy is like unbeatable, right? Like you just see, you, they show the, the strings of how this is working. It's like that. There's a parody on YouTube of like how, how Michael Myers has to like jog every day to keep up with his pace on like following people to kill them. Right. So it shows like them running away at full speed, but then it cuts to like Michael Myers having to like cross three backyards just to seemingly feel like he's behind them on like a brisk walk. Um, but yeah, it's sh- like, she hears the noise upstairs initially. Right. And she, like you and her think the killer's already inside and he already says, Oh, I'm already inside, but that's just a bluff to get her to open the door and just sneak his way in. Mm. Uh, so yeah, all these, all these parts are, um, we well, like- even have, there's one view too, where Sarah Michelle Geller walks outside and you see the camera from ghost por- ghost faces POV looking at her come yeah. outside so you mm. know like you know like the whole time there the the movie is letting you know how this is working um i also thought when he kills her he stabs her like twice and then throws her and i was like if he throws her into like a bush or just on grass like she could very easily live from this but a car a car though well no it's concrete <laughs> straight on the concrete yeah oh no because the car alarm went off when she hit the concrete i was wondering like why is why is the car alarm going off but yeah because it was written in the script that way yeah i think they wrote it the to be like that so that's probably why good (laughs) i'm so i'm so dumb sometimes right right after this too we go to the other party and timothy oliphant's there and jerry o'connell's there i was like are we supposed to think they didn't do this because they're here Right. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. They quickly moved over, which the, the strength that has to like, as you, as you said, Dino, that has to be Mickey. Like there's no way that the reporter could throw her over the edge like that and or throw her through the, it wasn't glass, but it was like a, whatever it was to get her on the balcony in the first place. Mm, so yeah, like the glass, but then, or the yeah, window. So, yeah. So Mickey had to have ran over there and then everyone leaves cause they hear about the murder and then Sydney's grabbing her stuff. And Jerry O'Connell's like, Lily, let's get out of here. And she hears the phone ring and she just has to answer it. It's so stupid. She's like right there to easily get away. And I also thought too, would Mickey have really killed her right then? Was that part of the plan to kill her? Cause it felt like it, it simultaneously feels like this, these they're planning this very like purposely to kill people in a certain order. But then at the same time, Mickey, who I guess is kind of a wild man, is like, oh, let me just kill her. Right- She's right here. Let me just do it. Mm. Even though Jerry O'Connell's outside, the police are across the street. Like, I don't know. It's, it, it was weird. Like, it, it almost seems like, once again, it was written in the script that way. It's like a movie contrivance because we need a scare right here. But from a planning perspective of a serial killer, like, 
Aren't you waiting? Isn't she the end? The last kill? Right. Speaking of being contrived, it was very reminiscent of in the first movie, right? When Ghostface attacks her and then he runs away and then Billy just so happens to pop through her window. So you know Jerry O'Connell is right there, right? And so when he circles back around and and confronts Ghostface and all he's left is with like a, a scratch, um, a non-fatal one, then it starts making you suspect him even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the point. And then right after that, Timothy Oliphant's like, why would he go back into the house? So she starts, you know, assuming it was him. Um it, but it's all just like at that point, I was like, it's all a little too much to think it's him, right? Like, but but at the same time, I watching Scream One, it they point to oh, it's Billy Loomis, right? For the first like forty five minutes of the movie, like it's him, and they're right. like, oh, but it couldn't have been him; it wasn't his cell phone, which is like a great way to do it in that one. But then once you've used that trick, you can't use it again. Yeah, it did feel very like. Part of me didn't think it was. Um, the boyfriend the entire time because it seemed like they were making it so obvious. Like it was almost, there was a moment, I mean, at the very end where I wouldn't be surprised if he like started laughing when he was like hanging up there and yeah. it was like, Oh, <laughs> finally, you know what I mean? But, and there was a little bit of hesitancy, hesitancy with me in that moment, but really, it almost felt like too obvious, even with like the knife cut, it didn't make me think, Oh, it's him. It made me more just be like, Oh, this looks like they're really trying to make me think it's him. I, I really suspected the, her friend, uh, what's her name? Gail. No, not Gail. Um, Or the roommate. uh, Yeah. Hallie. Hallie. Yeah. I suspected Hallie more than I suspected Jerry O'Connell. Um, I, I suspected Randy more than I expected Jerry. Uh, um, Jerry O'Connell and the the fact that I thought it wasn't Randy is because when him I thought it was kind of funny the scene where him and Dewey were talking in the cafeteria about like all the suspects he's like well if you suspect me then you have to or if you suspect you then it has you also have to suspect me and then they're both like nah nah like, it's not <laughs> us <laughs> Well, yeah, because he's like, oh, what about Mickey? And he's like, well, let's move off of Mickey because if I suspect Mickey, I suspect me. Um, that What's really mm. funny, and I told you, Alon, that in watching Scream 1 again, I noticed something really cool in this one is, so as Randy and Dewey are walking in, they're playing a different part of Stab in an interview with Tori Spelling. And in the first one, after a few of the killings, Randy's like, oh, I wonder who they'll get you to, they'll probably get someone cool to play you in the in the movie. She's like, with my luck, it'll be Tori Spelling. And I just love that they then oh got Tori Spelling to do it. Like that, the, And the fact that she was cool enough to, like, they joked about her <laughs> and then for her to do it is also awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. I died when it was Luke Wilson. Yes. Playing Owen. Playing Owen. No, no, it was That's Luke. I wrote. No, no, no it, was, it Luke. was Luke. You're you're right. No. So I Yeah. I wrote down Stop Owen. tripping me up. No, it's Luke. It was Luke. <laughs> when it was Luke Wilson playing Billy, I died. I, I was like, oh, my God. I thought how great would it be if they got like someone like Johnny Depp to play? But he would have been like too old at that point, maybe. Um, I mean, it was like 20 years ago. 
<laughs> I, I guess, but like, was Skeet Ulrich and Donnie Johnny Depp the same age? I guess they are, aren't they? Pretty close. I don't. I don't know how old Skeet Ulrich is anymore. Um, I thought. I thought they looked alike. I have a. When we get to the play practice, like her her director tries to get her not to quit because he's like, "Thank God, I don't have anyone else that can do this." Um, and then she sees Ghostface. And then she sees this, you know, and then she freaks out. So everyone starts taking off their masks and the two sorority girls are out there, which first of all, I was like, why are they in the play? But I was like, is she imagining right. Ghostface or did this happen? I, I don't, I think you're supposed to just keep it up to your interpretation. Well, cause if, mm. if you're, if she's imagining it, then the sorority girls still could be Ghostface. But if it really happened, then they can't really be Ghostface. Cause Ghostface is one of the different ones. You know what I mean? Well, how fucked is it? Right. Like, like, think about it. Think about it. You're in a play where the main character has to be tormented by men in masks when your whole trauma is being tormented by a man in a mask. Like, when they're all fake the, stabbing her. They all have implements. And like, they, they're all fake stabbing her. And when the, the director's like, you were born to play this role. Sydney. I was like, shut up, Jeez, dude. Shut up. Like, that's not fair. They also Actually, had him say like a really I don't know, I felt like his lines felt very impactful for no reason. Like I you would think it seemed like those would be the lines from like some wise old sage, like whatever character was supposed to play the wise old sage role. But then it just turns out he's just insensitive <laughs> to her drama. <laughs> like I don't know. Uh is, this is, is that someone, David, the the director of the play? Uh, he's an actor, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly who he is. I, I, I recognized him and I looked him up at the time, but I didn't like, I wasn't like, oh, he's, I've seen him in that. But yeah, I recognize mm-hmm. him. It should have been the same guy who played, um, um, the, the janitor from Scream the 1. The janitor from Scream 1, yeah. Yeah, that's who it could have been. So, um, we next get the scene in the quad. I love the joke where um, they're like, oh, Courtney Cox's nude photos came out. And she's like, well, it's just my face and Jennifer Aniston's body. Which mm-hmm. I thought was a really funny thing. That was um, very clever. So, after, you know, they, <laughs> they're they like, they get the call from Ghostface. And he's like, Randy, keep him on the line. We're going to go look for people's cell phones. I was like, why are you're such a bad cop. That's not going to work. Like he's Ghostface is clearly hidden. You're not just going to see him walking around talking. Um, and then when Randy gets killed in the van, you see the shoes, right? And this is obviously like a red herring, but, and I knew it was going to be at the time, but they show the shoes walking away and they're like black shoes. And then the next scene, cotton corners her in the library and he's wearing black shoes. And also mm-hmm. during that scene, Joel walks up wearing black shoes, like the exact black shoes. And I was like, oh, they're just screwing with this. Cotton is such a red herring. I yeah. never suspected him at all, even like 1% the entire time. Not, not even a little bit. I was like, if he, mm. we, because the whole time you're just like, we know he hasn't killed anyone. So why did he decide to do it now? Which in the original. So in the original movie, it was going to be Jerry O'Connell and Holly, and they were going to kill, um, they were going to kill uh, Gail, and then they were going to turn on Sydney. But Cotton comes in and kills them, right? But then Cotton's like, you know what, Sydney, you ruined my life. So then he tries to kill her anyway, 
And then they end up in the end of the movie killing each other. And that's how Scream ends. And I was like, you guys are lucky that got leaked because that's a horrible ending. Yeah, I do not like that at all, actually. <laughs> it just makes no oh. sense. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, we just want maximum kills. Just everyone dies. But it's like, it's it does, it's horrible. I'm just trying to think, like, killing Gale takes out half, like, who's left then? Dewey? Dewey's the only character left in the whole movie? No, Dewey died too in that one. Oh. Every, like, everyone wow. died. That's kind of died. funny, actually. That's kind of funny. Yeah, it is, but it's also like, why are you, why are you killing the golden calf? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just let's keep the good times going. Right. Um, and now that I'm like watching these movies too, it's like I don't want to attend on two. I want to go. I want to watch three next year. I want to mm-hmm. watch four. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we get Cotton in the library. The instant message thing happens at the same time. So they're just like, all right, we're gonna take Sydney somewhere. Um. Oh, I have to say, those two cops that were hired for her bodyguard are the worst bodyguards ever in any film. (laughs) They seemed good in the beginning, and then, yeah, just, they weren't. weren't Just stay in the corner here. (laughs) They're like, an AIM? We should split up and investigate. (laughs) Like, or leave. Just leave. Like, this person's not going to get caught by you. Uh. Just check the students in the surrounding, like, 10 feet. Yeah, so they decide to take her, and at the same time, Jerry O'Connell's like seeing her off, and then you see all these, you see these shadowy figures in the background. I was like, all right, was that? I mean, is Ghostface going to kill him right now? But then when you see the next one, it's like, oh, it's his brothers, and like that's a pretty cool little fake out again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at the same time, Dewey and Gale are like need to find a VCR, <laughs> which leads to like this whole other thing. This is basically the the climax or the beginning of the climax of the movie. Um, Sydney's trying to be taken away. And I was like, Oh, that's an, like when I was watching that part, I was like, Oh, how is this going to go? She's going to be taken to some like isolated location. But then you're right. Those cops have to be horrible because Mickey just overpowers both of them in a car. Yeah. That's wild. Just horrible. And, and, and kills them. Yeah. And I, I do love the, so Ghostface gets in the car, but the one cop is on the windshield, so he crashes it. And I love the setup of, they're in the back of a cop car. One side is trapped, so they have to crawl over him. And it is a little like, it is a little illogical. I don't know what, maybe maybe you can just say that Mickey's just screwing with them right he allows them to climb over them only to then sneak around and kill hallie because sydney once again is like i have to go back and it's like why didn't you kill him when you had the chance literally that scene i can tell you i can tell you what me taylor jordan my sister-in-law dino and jenny we were all like at the edge of our seats when he when they were crawling over him I mean, talking about talk about building suspense. It's like I don't know why that scene isn't talked about more about like suspenseful scenes because that is a killer right there. It was very impressive because I also I could physically feel that tension of okay, one just kill him. Like why why don't you? There's a gun. Like just kill him. But also that tension of like. I want to see who it is right now. 
And I honestly, like, let's just unmask him right now. Like, do it. Just do it. Because that's where the fear is, isn't it? Like, if you could see if someone was asleep or not, it's not as scary. I mean, it still would be. But the fact that you can't see his their eyes, you know, what their face looks like, you, you just see this, like, there's that close-up of just the mask. Yeah. And you could just feel you uncertainty, you know? Knowing that Haley Holly or whatever her name was is was supposed to originally be one of the killers, I wonder if that scene was shot after or before he got leaked because Sydney was far enough away from her that it could have been a fake death, right? Like the other killer is working with her to kill her in a fake way. And then the reveal later on, oh, she's alive this entire time. Um, because the the way it was is kind of weird. Because of the distance that she was. I mean, that kill was so far away from each other. Anything could happen um, at, at that also point, right? Like, well, yeah, and they've used fake blood before when they fake killed Billy. But I... um. I was like, how, how, like logistically, how did he even get out of the car and get around to that side? Like, did he run around a building? Did he no, like really it was like it a, as he's. He it was, was a construction it. site. It was a construction site. It was like the sidewalk. You know how they do in cities sometimes where they no, close I understand. off the sidewalk. It, I understand, but it didn't seem like he could like get there. But I mean, I, yeah, he could I get know. there, obviously. Well, he obviously fucking did, Alon. But he I'm could, saying he could get he could get there, David. He could get there <laughs> because it was in the script that way. Um, they wrote it in there. Yeah. So the other thing going on is with Dewey and Gail, and you know they're having like a makeout scene, but then Ghostface shows up because the other TV turns on, and I'm like, Dewey, why are you leaving her? Like she's down there. Okay. There's two of you. So that has to be the two different ones, right? The people, the ones in the car, the the ghost face in the car has to be either Loomis or Mickey, and the one that's tormenting Dewey and Gale is the other one, right? Mm, yeah, because it's going on at the same time. Yeah, yeah, probably. Exactly. I mean, it probably has to be. So, and you know what? It does- and it makes it makes sense that Mickey is the car and Loomis is messing with Dewey and um, mm-hmm. Gail just from a strength perspective, because she didn't kill Dewey and he stabbed through a, a car door and killed two cops. Yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. That is honestly a testament to either the strength of Mickey or just how terrible of detectives those guys are. Have you, Clearly have Dino's you seen, never seen justified? <laughs> That's yeah, I was going to say, never seen Justified. Have you seen Timothy Oliphant? He can do anything he wants, okay? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> he is a national <laughs> he, treasure. He, he can look good with that hairstyle he had in Scream 2, okay? So don't question him. Dang. <laughs> yeah, so, I also, I did think that, like, scene, though, where, you know, he's messing with Dewey and Gale in, I thought that was really well done because it was very... I don't know. One, the amount of hiding places and especially the bit, like the idea of like having that soundproof room. Um, mm. I felt like that was just, I've never seen that where someone's like murdered in a soundproof room and the person like can't see it, you know? And they're just yeah. like, I, well, I thought att- that was really cool. Attempted murdered. 
I right, I love right, right. <laughs> the point of view of Gail seeing Ghostface chasing after her and just hiding more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that part was so cool. Mm. My favorite part in that scene was her trapped in the room and then through the through the shelving unit over the door and then trying to get their arm through the door couldn't and it's just like pacing in front of the the tempered glass. I thought that was great. Well, and that's definitely the arms through the door is like a callback to when Billy tried to kill her in the first movie. That's a hereditary thing, oh, right? So that had frick. to be the Loomis's. Yeah. I thought you were talking oh. about the movie for, movie for a second. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no. I didn't even think about that. That's really interesting. Um, We get to the reveal, and I, I'm like, Mickey is such a psychopath. Obviously, he's killing people. But then, for no reason, just for like 30 seconds, tricks Sydney into thinking that Jerry O'Connell is in on it. For no reason whatsoever. Just to be an asshole in the very end. Mm-hmm. Are we there yet? Because we have we haven't talked about Jerry O'Connell singing his heart out to her in the cafeteria or in the library. That was like an hour ago in the movie. We skipped over it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> we shouldn't Dang. have skipped over it. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell sang to her, gave away his Greek letters, and because he gave away his Greek letters, he got tied up in the theater, which then leads to his untimely death. Yeah, but because he gave away his Greek letters was a perfect little slashing weapon she could use. It's true. Yeah, I so that's what I wanted to talk about is so Mickey kills Jerry O'Connell, shoots him in the chest, pretty graphic, and um mm-hmm. he's like having this conversation with her about how he's going to blame movies and da 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 and Billy, and then she says, "You forget one thing. I killed Billy Loomis," and slaps him in the thing. And then they run around for two seconds, and then he just gets the gun back. I was like, what was the point of that? This badass moment where she's like, that was... I fucking killed Billy Loomis. And it's like, we're right back to square one. Right. Um, I was I'm... kind of expecting a little bit more. Not to say that it wasn't. I did think there was an adequate amount of like fear in Sydney. But it's also like, I whenever that happened, it felt very much like in the end of Scream 1 when she was like not in my movie you know right i felt that like confidence from her and so i did wish i had seen a little bit more of that in this and maybe maybe in scream three or four whatever she's just like cold-hearted just destroyer i don't know (laughs) but she's i wish i had seen a little bit more yeah she's she's definitely getting there and i think you know what's interesting and, and watching movies like Terminator and Terminator 2 is Linda Hamilton having a character arc not exactly like a little bit at the end of T1 but definitely coming to in full circle at the end of Terminator 2 uh so character arcs that happen through a franchise are always interesting to me cuz you might not get that direct satisfaction by the end of like let's say Scream but by the time like Scream Three rolls around, that character Sydney's character is not the same character when you first meet her in in the beginning of the first Scream, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a, a, that's a, another reason to keep the franchise going. It's just this sweet little girl becomes more and more of a badass through time, right? So mm-hmm. 
our PG thirteen Sydney is full NC seventeen now. <laughs> I um so we get a nice little battle between her and Mrs. Loomis. I love her using like the stage props to like fall on her and then the rocks and all that. Um I thought it was a little interesting, like the way that like, just an errant shot once again shoots Gale and kind of knocks her out for a second. But you like it's always funny the movie is so obvious when you when someone gets shot or stabbed and you know they're still alive. Like you know Mickey's coming back. You got Mrs. Loomis can't shoot for shit cuz she shoots <laughs> in the terrible. shoulder twice. And then Gail gets shot in the side, so you know they're both there, right? But I do love the device of uh Sydney being like, "I thought Mickey was supposed to be dead," and that just gives her just enough time to escape. And then she uses the rocks to fall on her, but I was like, those don't weigh anything. Like that's and then cotton shows up. And it was uh, very love... clearly styrofoam too. Like you could just see yeah. the pink from the star. You're like, uh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that he's like Diane Sora is looking pretty good now. And she says, consider it done. And like Mrs. Loomis doesn't know what that means. It doesn't she doesn't know that she just lost, and then he just shoots her. Mm. I hate cotton as like, I like it's interesting to make a character like him in a movie like this because he's not the killer, but he's such an a-hole, right? Like even, even when he's on our main protagonist's side, he's not a good guy. He wasn't the Mm -hmm. killer. He was never the killer in the first one, but he's just, he's a rotten dude. You know, he, I think that makes him like a really interesting character though. You know, because he's is, doing the good thing for not the right reason. I always find that intriguing. But but also, I'm like, gl- I'm glad you like it, Dina. <laughs> no, but I, I, it's interesting too because he's like, he's an innocent man. He's had what? He was in jail for at least how uh, one year. He have, no, but no, she died a year ago. They tried to kill Sydney on the year anniversary. Trials take time. So you're saying so, he he couldn't have even no, but the the retrial had to take time too. So yeah, it's about a year. No, no, I mean he would have gotten out pretty quickly. I mean, like it, it I don't know. They didn't say how long he was in, but I'm saying he was in. They at did. Mat- they said a year. That doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make Whether sense that he would be in. Okay, I I agree I with think- you that it doesn't make sense, but the movie says a year, so they probably wrote it that way in the script. I think. You go to hell. So he was in jail for a max six to nine months. But anyway, uh, he, he's he gone through this thing, right, where he was sent to jail for the rest of his life for something he didn't do. Um, So, like, his actions afterwards, it's he's such an interesting character. I agree with Dino because, like, he's had this horrible thing happen to him, and now he's like, but he's also like now he's a bad guy because he's like, I want to profit off of this thing. Like I need to, you know, I, I almost lost my life, but it's like I need I deserve something out of this. And I think that's like a reaction a lot of people would have. But as like moviegoers who are like, who's the good guy who I'm rooting for? You're like, it's hard to root for you, especially when the movie is also like, hey, this guy, he might be a bad, you know, he might be the bad guy, which is not believable. But well, um I don't I don't hate him as a character. I just think he's he's an interestingly written character for something like this that that you're not supposed to be a fan of. And I'm not a fan of it, but um, a fan of him. But are you to tell me that 
if she didn't agree to the Diane Sawyer thing, he was just going to all of a sudden be a cold-blooded killer right then and there? I think that's bad writing. <laughs> I don't, yeah, um, it doesn't. that part just doesn't make sense. I do think he has the best lines at the end of this because after he shoots Mrs. Loomis, he's like, wow, that was intense. And then Gail, <laughs> we get the final scare from Gail, and he's like, Oh, Gail, reporting from the trenches. She's like, shut up, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> Not the final scare. Because, like in, in Scream fashion, Mickey has to rise from the dead all of a sudden. And they blast him so much. <gasps> I love it. And then she just shoots Mrs. Loomis in the head, execution style. It's like, just in case. <laughs> I think that's what Dino was talking about, like the cold bloodedness of 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 Sydney, like coming to a peak right right when she shoots uh, Loomis in the head. Yeah, yeah. I um one thought I had at the end of this, and it's like, so Sydney is like tells them that Cotton's the hero, basically giving Cotton everything he wanted, right? So he's mm-hmm. now going to get to go on his little tour, which, as a guy wrong, wrongfully convicted, he's going to get diane sawyer type interviews anyway so like the movie saying he wasn't getting that i thought was weird um but the thought i had after this is like sid has to get like a whole new friend group again like they're all gone <laughs> i'd give up at this point i'd give up on you know well, we'll find I mean, out in one year we'll find out one year from now if she gave up that is true it, it's funny because dino and i were talking about getting together like next week and watching scream three and just being like We'll, we'll still do it. Like we'll still do the episode. We'll still next watch year. it. Yeah, yeah. But we we need to know what happens. But I think I mm-hmm. don't know. There's there's some sort of there's some sort of satisfaction waiting a year for something like this. You know? Why don't oh, we just yeah. next year we'll just do three, four, five, six September. <laughs> All of them. Our whole October month will be just just be scream. Yeah, screams. Well, scream then Halloween four. Of course, of course, of course. Of course. So I didn't look up a ton of these, but do you know who was supposed to play or who was offered the role of Mickey? Who? Toby Maguire. What? <laughs> which I think would have oh. made it like which I think would have made it like so obvious and so like you can't like you couldn't have had Toby Maguire be the killer. Hmm. And Toby Maguire you- probably doesn't take it unless he can be the killer. But like yeah, it just doesn't work you know that's weird though because this is before spider-man and i think he didn't really get his i mean people knew who toby was but he wasn't real mainstream until spider-man i wonder if people would have thought the same thing about timothy like in the same way about timothy oliphant as toby Maguire. maybe maybe not the killer the the thing that gives away timothy oliphant for sure is he goes MIA for like an hour in the middle of the movie and you're like yeah where did where does he go to kill you know yeah i, mean, I feel like that point, was for me yeah the one i think Kevin mcguire had done quite a bit though at this point or at least a lot more than but you're right though he does the pleasantville Cider House Rules, Ride with the Devil, Wonder Boys, all comes after this leading into Spider-Man. So yeah, I guess he was enough of a no-name. But he, I mean, he was in Deconstructing Harry, which is the Woody Allen movie. He was in The Ice Storm. So he he was bigger than Oliphant. But yeah, maybe enough to go under the radar. Especially when you have 
they needed to give Joshua Jackson another scene so we could just maybe think it was him. You know? Uh, what, when you say it could have been Tobey Maguire, it reminds me in that scene in Spider-Man 3 where he's like inf- inf- infested with the symbiote and he's like, gonna cry. <laughs> like, you know Tobey Maguire can pull off like emo psycho, right? Yeah. Yeah, he definitely, I feel like I could have definitely seen Toby being like kind of like a twisted person. I feel like he, he can play that character pretty well. Like with his hair, like, like down in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think I it would have if- been hard though to believe that he could stab someone and then lift them and throw them off a building. <laughs> I mean, there's movie magic for sure, but it would have been a little bit difficult for me to believe it. I know, he killed Willem Dafoe pretty quickly. I That's um, fair. <laughs> I don't think that Timothy. I don't think anyone could have matched how over the top Timothy Oliphant went in the last scene, though. That's true. How just crazy psycho he went as an actor in that. It's weird to see him play that kind of role, especially if you know him from Justified, and actually, uh, if you know him from Hitman, like he was Hitman, right? Yeah, he's uh, more reserved roles more reserved roles. The only thing that comes to mind is kind of similar is he was the villain in like the fifth die hard. What what was it? Live free, die hard with Justin Long. Live free, die hard. Yeah. Yeah. But he was also reserved laid back. He was also pretty reserved. He was a, he was a computer villain, right? He was shutting down the networks. As were all villains in 2007. I think they had to go somewhere deep in Pennsylvania to save the internet is what they had to do and live free and die hard. So <laughs> Exactly. Well, Sad. you know, overall, what did you think of Scream 2? I mean, so I've always kind of grown up being someone who never... I never took myself as someone who enjoyed scary movies or especially like horror movies. Um, I always found that I was like, Oh, I don't like those types of movies. And I would, you know, every Halloween, like, I guess it all is, can be described by the one time I went over to like, we had like this Halloween party and everyone, this was 2008. So everyone watched the human centipede and I did not, I I just like sat with my back facing the TV and I just didn't watch it because I didn't want to. It's um, not even scary. That's just disgusting. Yeah. And that's, I think, a lot of why I didn't want to watch it. But I feel like Scream, especially I watched it like when it came out recently, but Scream and Scream 2, like I felt like I walked away from both of those realizing like I actually really like scary movies. I just don't like it sounds silly, but like evil movies, I can't stand like just pure, like hereditary. I watched hereditary. I did not like that one, but I felt like scream and scream Two. It's like that perfect border for me of like, dude, this, if something makes me stand up because I'm so freaked out, I love that feeling. It's so fun. And I felt like scream. You know, could not sit in his seat when we were watching scream (laughs) Two. He kept getting up and, and, Jenny, his wife, was like, "Like, who's going to protect me?" And right? You know, it's basically like you're on your own, man. <laughs> I was like, "I got a, I got a pace," because this is wild. If you were to make a hot take 
out of either Scream or Scream 2 or horror movies in general, what would your hot take be? I would actually say uh, maybe a hot take would be scary movies are good for your mental health. Like, I feel like by you could say that, one, watching someone else be in a situation that's terrible reminds you of how great your situation is. You're like, oh, at least all my friends aren't getting murdered. But it also, <laughs> um, I also think scary movies have probably saved more lives than we give them credit for because it's, even though <laughs> some people might say, stairs. right, yeah, don't run up the stairs, but also it, like, it helps people. It's why I think true crime is so popular right now. It, it reminds people like, hey, don't just trust people. I know it sounds mean to say, but like you should at you should definitely have a level of I don't know if the words respect or fear, but you definitely need to be smart when you're interacting with people you don't know. And even especially what Scream says is like even with people you do know. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Yeah, you don't know who's trying to get close to you just because of a revenge plot of a mother that you killed her son ten years ago for, you know? Yeah. You never you know. Never know. <laughs> I agree. I'm I'm very excited for Scream 3. I feel like Scream 1 and Scream 2 were both it would it would have been easy for Scream 2 to not perform as well to me or not to be as good or not enjoyable, but I felt like it was a great movie and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I wonder when these are going to start going downhill. Like I wonder when we're going to walk out and be like, "Oh, that was actually kind of disappointing," you know? Mhm. Is it going to be three? Is it going to be four? Is it going to be five? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. David, any last thoughts? Thanks for listening to it. No, I um, I loved both of these. I uh, When I was asking the question about which you preferred, it's because I think Scream 2 is actually fairly close to the original and like how much I enjoyed it. I probably might even enjoyed it a little more. Um, but Scream 1 is just sort of iconic. So I was really happy with this one. And yeah, I'm excited to see the rest now. Well, Dino, thank you for joining us on our Scream 2 episode. And please thank Jenny for us. Sorry that she couldn't be here for the whole thing, but I understand we take up quite a bit of time. Of course. Uh, but yeah, no, it was fun. And I think we'll keep the tradition alive and going for for many years to come, or at least many screams to come. Many screams to come, yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was so much fun. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And this is Dino. And I finally watched Scream 2. Scream 2. I finally watched I, I, I 